Well, good morning, y'all. Thanks, Mitch. I was uh, trying to do the math, and I think you've been coming playing here for like 20 years now, which makes you stinking old, bro. Uh, Mitch will come back uh, a little bit later in the service, so we'll hear more from him. Um, so I've been able to uh, just kind of sit and participate in church over the summer and really enjoyed both Lance and Danielle's teaching, and um, they've done a great job this summer. And uh, a few weeks ago, Lance said something in a sermon that, <laughs> that really kind of stuck with me. Um, he was telling the story about um, a young woman who he felt was going down the wrong path. And so he went to her and kind of, you know, talked to her about his concern that he had for her going down the wrong path. To which she replied, don't worry about it, Lance. God just wants me to be happy. To which Lance replied, do you remember this? To which Lance replied, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be obedient. Now, I, I don't know, that really impacted me. And I don't know about you, but I was going like, what do you mean God doesn't want me to be happy? Right? I, I've said it before. I said, you know, God wants us to be happy. And it was something that really, really stuck with me to the point that I decided I'm going to do a whole sermon on that one line. Um, I think that that one line, God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be obedient, really sums up the Christian life almost better than any other line that you could ever come up with in one small, succinct way. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is just kind of expand on that idea and have a discussion about what that looks like, break it down a bit. And so I'm affectionately referring to this message as the gospel according to Lance Hurley. And so I've brought with me my bag and my dog's chew toy in the form of a pineapple. Now, I can't for the life of me figure out how that can like, fit into the sermon, but I just wanted Lance to be proud of me this morning. So, uh, There's a, uh, a story in the uh, Old Testament of the Bible that I think uh, illustrates uh, this idea better than a pineapple-shaped chew toy. Um, and it's about a, the story is about a prophet named Jonah. And you may remember that a prophet was somebody who was chosen by God to be a spokesperson on God's behalf. And so, for all practical purposes, Jonah was an obedient servant of God. Best we can figure. He pretty much did whatever it is that God asked him to do, except this one time. God told Jonah to do something that he didn't want to do. And in the Old Testament book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, The Lord God spoke to Jonah and said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because I have seen how wicked it has become. God asked Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh to speak to the people of Nineveh, who are called Ninevites, and he was to preach to them about how they were living their lives 
against the ways of God and they needed to repent and turn back to God. Sounds like a reasonable job for a prophet, right? I mean, going out and preaching is part of the gig, except for the fact that the Ninevites were the arch enemies of Jonah's people. And going to Nineveh was like going into the very heart of enemy territory. Just to put it in perspective, it would be exactly like if God were to speak to me today and he were to say, Darren, I want you to go into the city of Baghdad and I want you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. You know what I'd say? God, you are out of your mind. There is no stinking way I'm going to Baghdad and doing that. You know what Jonah said? God, you are out of your mind. There is no way I am going to Nineveh and doing that. It's always nice when you find people in the Bible who make you feel better about yourself, isn't it? So it goes on in verse 3, and it says, But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship. And he apparently was taking the first ship that was coming into port, and it was leaving for Tarshish. And so he bought a ticket, and he went on board hoping to escape God by sailing to Tarshish. So Jonah acted as many of us do when we really don't like what God is telling us to do. Jonah ran. And more specifically, it said that Jonah ran from God, which I find interesting. I mean, do you really think that Jonah, who was a prophet, really thought that he could outrun the creator of the universe? We do, though, don't we? I mean, we kind of get that in our head. We live our lives as if God doesn't really exist. We live our lives as if somehow God all of a sudden can't see what we're doing if we're real quiet about it. And so God says, go, and Jonah says, no. God says, go east, and Jonah says, then I'm going west. Is it ever you? Does this ever describe the way that you feel about God sometimes? That there is something out there that you know that God wants you to do. There's some way that God wants you to live, to do or to don't do, but you don't want to do it. How do you respond to that? Many of us rationalize it by saying those words. I think God just wants me to be happy. Right? Well, when you put it that way, by all means, do whatever it is you want to do. I mean, that pretty much opens the door for anything we want to do, right? And so we justify taking a different path rather than the one that we know deep down that God wants us to go down. The first principle that we learn from Jonah about happiness versus obedience is what not to do. Don't run. Just stop. Because sometimes God calls us to stay put and to face down whatever it is that we have to face and to walk through whatever it is that we have to walk through. And let me tell you, when God asks us to walk through those tough times, I'll be the first to admit it. 
it, it's no fun. It does not make me happy. However, the Bible makes it very clear that from God's perspective, it's when we walk through those hard times, something miraculous happens. Something changes inside of us. We begin to grow and become different. We become the people that God created us to be. And that's what makes our faith strong. And so Jonah did a complete 180 from where God wanted him to go. And so he jumped on this ship headed toward this place called Tarshish, which is one of the most remote cities in the known world at that time. And let me put it this way. In God's geography, we're either going toward Nineveh, which is doing what God asks us to do, or we're going toward Tarshish, which is the opposite direction going away from God. We can't straddle the fence. We're either doing what God wants us to do, or we're not. There's no gray there. What is it for you? What do you know in your heart that God wants you to do? How is it that God wants you to live? And are you embracing that? Or are you running from it? Whatever it is for you, I'll tell you one thing is for sure. Whenever I have tried to run from God, and Lord knows I've tried, it has never gone well for me. Whenever I have said that I'm not going to do what God wants me to do so that I can do what Darren wants to do, I always crash and burn. And let's just say when you run from God, you are in serious danger of becoming fish bait. Because while Jonah was down below the dock... God caused this huge storm to come over the boat that Jonah was on, and the captain and the sailors were all scared because they'd never seen a storm as wicked as this one, and they've had some experience. They must have sensed that there was something supernatural going on because they went and found Jonah, who finally came clean and told them the whole story that he was running from God. And it became very apparent what these guys had to do. Nobody wanted to do it, but eventually they realized they had to do it, and so they threw Jonah overboard. And as a way to make things crystal clear from God's perspective, the second that Jonah hit the water, the storm stopped, and the water became calm. Now, it certainly seems that it was pretty much over for our old friend Jonah. As he begins to sink into the bottom of the sea, Jonah thought for sure that this was it. He ran from God, and now he was going to pay the price. But in verse 17, something absolutely unbelievable happens. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So there was Jonah inside this fish, hanging out, right? Typically, we refer to this as a whale because we know it had to be a fish big enough to swallow him whole. And so we always say Jonah and the whale. 
And so the Bible says that Jonah was hanging out in the belly of this whale for three days and three nights. I would say that Jonah was going through some hard times, wouldn't you? Well, it is here, sitting in the belly of this whale, that Jonah teaches us the right way to respond to God. Because it says that in this moment, Jonah gets it. In Jonah chapter 2, it says that the first thing that Jonah did was to pray. Now, if some stinking whale swallowed you, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to pray, right? Jonah tried desperately to run his own game. But now God has called checkmate. He's got his back up against the wall. And Jonah says, okay, God, you got me. And he comes clean, and he repents, and he says, God, whatever it is that you want from me, I'm in. Just get me out of here. Right? The problem is that as we try to do life on our own terms, it never goes well. And truly, it ends up with our backs against the wall at some point. And it's only then, for whatever reason, in our humanness, it is only then that we finally get it and we realize we need God. We need him. And so Jonah thanks God in this prayer for saving him from certain death and says, here I am. In the belly of this fish, I got seaweed wrapped up all around my head. And I thought I was a goner, but you, oh God, performed this miracle and you saved me. I am struck by the fact that Jonah was certainly not out of trouble yet. I mean, he was still sitting down in some fish's belly with yesterday's tuna, right? He wasn't out of the woods yet. But Jonah, I think, in this moment, teaches us that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in at the time, the right way to respond is to understand that we're still blessed and to feel that sense of gratitude. For whatever reason, it's not until some crisis hits that we finally get it. When we're sitting there in the middle of some tough time with your back up against the wall, you got seaweed all wrapped up around your head, and all of a sudden, we know what we need to do. We know what we need. It's in those moments that we find the faith to call out to God for help. And here's what I believe. I believe that it's because in those hard times we catch a glimpse of what life would be like with no hope. We catch a glimpse of how bad life would be without God. And so it's in those times that we suddenly know we need God. And we're grateful for God. And it's that hope that brings us through those hard times. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. And I want to talk just for a minute about 
where I would make the distinction between happiness and joy. And I'll give you a few scenarios that I think may help us to understand it. Happiness is every night at 9 o'clock looking for a hit of chocolate. Joy is 9 a.m. the next morning when you didn't hit that chocolate and you feel good about yourself and you feel good in your own body because you're taking care of yourself. Happiness is when you get a big bonus check and you go out and you go out on a big splurge. Joy is taking some of that money and doing something good that matters and makes a difference. Happiness is going out and looking to connect with somebody through sex. Joy is having a lifelong relationship with your husband or wife that is loving and caring and intimate. Happiness is going out and drinking to numb the pain, while joy is working through your demons and your past with somebody that you trust to get on the other side of it. I don't know if you remember a while back, ABC News did this special on happiness, and in this special they interviewed 10 different people who had gotten rich by winning the lottery. And when they received the money, it changed their lives only the wrong way. They actually became miserable people. The money had turned their family and friends against them, and they had serious emotional problems, and some of them even became suicidal. It was crazy. You see, happiness is something that I feel when my circumstances are good. It's temporary. It's like a drug. When the buzz of that good thing is over, then we're off looking for our next fix, our next hit of happy, right? And as a result, we never are really happy because none of those things that we're trying to make ourselves happy with ever last. But joy, joy is something that'll change your life forever. Joy is something that even when you've had a no good, very bad day, you can still have a deep sense of joy because you know whatever is that thing, that it will not break you, and this too shall pass. And I've learned through the years that there's a difference between trying to make yourself happy and really working on having what the Bible describes as this deep, sustaining sense of joy, where no matter what life throws at you, you can still have a sense of peace in the midst of it. Because joy is rooted so deeply inside of you, it's not dependent on your circumstances of how good you feel or how bad you feel at any given moment. Joy is a state of contentment regardless of whatever the circumstances are that you're facing. And so now when you hear the phrase, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be obedient. Now I hope it makes more sense. Because I think that when you live life in the way that God designed us to live it, when you live life in the way that we were created to live it, that is the only way that we can have any hope 
of having that kind of joy is through an obedient lifestyle and living in the ways of God. Well, there's a lot more to the story of Jonah, but for the sake of uh, time, we're going to end it here. And I'm going to end it with one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, which is Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Here is the final principle that I want us to take away from the story of Jonah. When we are obedient, and we do what God asks us to do, and we keep following him no matter what, we always land in the right spot. And we may be covered with fish vomit. You might have seaweed wrapped all up around your head. But at the end of the day, you know. And you have this peace and this joy because in the end, God's got you.